the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to another episode of the Staff and Graph podcast. Clearly not the voice of Mike Stevens. It's Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News, pinch hitting alongside Rachel Dory as usual. Dory, how are we doing? We're doing well. Dog days of summer. Hockey season's like a month away. I simply, I saw someone say like, is it October yet? And I wanted to yell and be like, no, it's not. It's but not I'm kind of getting to the point where I want hockey back. I'm bored. And we all want to be watching players, one of which is actually joined here with us right now. First ever draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. Ended up with the Nashville Predators a couple years later. Resigned to a two-year contract on July 1. Without further ado, Cody Glass. Cody, how are we doing, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. I mean, you've had, it's been like the summer of Cody. You collected lots of <laughs> hardware. You got a gold medal around your neck. I hear you placed a ring on your lady's finger. Your brother got married. 2023 is your year, man. Yeah, you know, it's been a blast. So <laughs> I'm starting to mature finally. It only took 24 years. So right. um, it's been good, though. No, I've had a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm just looking forward to the summer flies by. So I'm looking forward for the season to come. How'd you pop the question? We got to know. I was, that was my question. As the girl, I got to know. Yeah. Gotta know. <laughs> so we actually, so I did it over the all-star break when we kind of get that rest time and mm. whatnot. So um, one of my best friends, Nick Hag, plays on Vegas. Um, we're really close with them. So we went to Disney World together. And so I had this ring for forever. Uh, I think I bought it in like October or something like that. So I was just trying to find the right time, kind of day off. And so when I saw that we had the long break, I was like, you know, I might as well do it there. And then we figured out our plans. But um, you know, the whole week I kind of had it in my pocket and I just wanted to find the right time to do it. And it was one of the last days when we were at Epcot and we did like the, we saw all the pavilions and stuff like that. And, you know, funny enough, I did it in the Canadian pavilion where there's like a little hidden area where there's this waterfall and, you know, I was kind of scared to do it. And Nick at one point was just like, dude, stop, like, just do it already, like get it over with. And so we blocked like. I was more nervous because, you know, in Disney World, I was like, no, I need to find a nice quiet area. And that's the worst spot to do it is in Disney World where there's literally thousands of people at all times. So I finally found like a hidden spot almost and Nick kind of blocked off the stairwell. And then his uh, girl ended up blocking up a different spot and taking like a picture. And so I just kind of, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then got down on me, blacked out, don't even know what I said um but thankfully she said yes so we're here today and no it's been it's been good okay so you you propose at epcot and i love how you're like it's not quiet at disney world there are screaming children everywhere everyone wants to get their face painted like i know the drill but at epcot there's this thing that everyone does it's called drinking around the world and if you don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) you should probably know did you guys participate in like oh we're in this country like we'll get a drink here or did you do the i'm going to drink around the world situation 
Yeah. So that's probably like one of the things I kind of left out was the drink around the world. Just, I don't know. I kept it out, but yeah, we did partake in that. Um, especially after the fact when I wasn't nervous anymore. Um, and we kind of celebrate and whatnot, but that is, I highly re- recommend if anybody wants to do it, that is a blast of a time, but, um, that was our last day there. So we kind of kept it a little bit more tamed on that side, but, um, it is a blast. Um, the food's really good. Whatever pavilion you go to, uh, I think they have like the guardians of the galaxy ride there as well. So it is a blast. Like I felt like a kid again. I still am a kid. So I had a blast. I love that. We're kind of in, so I know you're back in Nashville now. What are the next couple of weeks look like before camp? Like, do you do informal skates with some of the guys that are that skate in Nashville in the off season or some of the players? What's it going to look like for you until camp begins? Uh, yeah, so I got here Sunday and then just got right back after it Monday, Tuesday, um, skated, uh, and worked out and there's probably, I think like eight or nine guys here, um, right now. So it's actually a pretty good group. Um, but I'll just stay, you know, basic, you know, Monday to Friday, skate, workout. Um, I actually will do that until probably when training camp starts, um, on the 25th, I leave for Toronto. Like I said, Nick Hag, he has his day with the cup on the 27th. So, uh, heading out there and kind of celebrating with him. So, uh, it'll be a blast, but other than that, that's pretty much, uh, my schedule is just trying to get back into a routine before everything starts getting going again. Did I see that Nick Hag also got engaged or am I making that up? Yes. He just got engaged two days ago maybe yesterday i don't remember he sent me a text oh, wow. at like twelve fifty, like at night and i was like just in shock i was like no way so yeah he did it um so i'm happy for them they're two awesome people so I was, i'm glad they could do it i got that's ask awesome you both- so you got like a cup party and an engagement party that's kind of fun i feel like that could get rowdy <laughs> exactly yeah so you kind of mix i don't know maybe nick wants it to be his day with the stanley cup so it's all about him so maybe we'll make it like but you never know i'm there for the weekend so maybe saturday can be a little bit of a party as well so i gotta ask you two more about the world so gold medal overseas playing what were your expectations you know going into it and what do you think of the overall experience yeah it was awesome uh especially you know with our team we almost made the playoffs so it was kind of a not a good feeling kind of going into the summer. And then I got the opportunity to go play in the worlds. And I was kind of, you know, my contract is up and didn't want to get like injured, have that affect anything. But Barry Trotz kind of gave me a peace of mind, said it'd be great for, you know, great career choice. And, you know, I'd have a lot of fun doing it. So, you know, I kind of took that advice and I was like, you know, I'm going to go do it and um, try and end the season off on a right note. And so going over there, going to Europe, um playing in that kind of hockey big ice against you know some of the best players in the world um it was a blast and you know we had a really good team great group of young guys and good vets so going over there being able to you know win games and win the tournament uh just made that more special but it was a month so it was a very long time um but you know my fiance got to join me out there and you know it's also fun just going out there and kind of you know sightseeing so it was a blast um not only just be there but to win it was just made it that much better so how does something like that work because so i'm actually planning to go to worlds this upcoming year when it's in prague um i personally hope that you're playing in the playoffs (laughs) but how does something like that work you you're kind of nashville was in a different situation because it wasn't like a of Vancouver and Arizona where we knew for months that their players were sort of 
going to be available. For, for you in Nashville, we really didn't know Nashville didn't make the playoffs until sort of the last week of the season. So what does the process look like for getting the call, kind of talking to Barry about it, and then ultimately deciding to go? Yeah, it was it happened pretty quick. Um, you know, it came down to like the last three games, I think it was. So, um, you know, we were pretty into the race. We needed to win every game. So we were just kind of focusing game on game. But um, after our last game against Colorado, I think it was, um, Barry kind of approached me and said, hey, the, I think it was Armstrong. Um, he would love for you to, you know, come to the Worlds and just think about it. Obviously, take your time. Um but he'll be phoning you, yada, yada, kind of that stuff. And, you know, I was like, okay, like, is this something I want to do? And then I had my exit meeting and stuff like that. And, you know, Barry kind of talked me into it. And like you said, he just thought it would be really good for my career playing wise. Um, thought I'd enjoy going to Europe and playing. So, you know, I took the advice and I was like, you know, I'm going to go play. And obviously it was a quick turnaround going from, you know, not making the playoffs straight into, you know, kind of training again to, you know, play in the world. So, um, it's a quick turnaround, but it was something that I'm very thankful that I did. You know, it's funny the the run at the end. I remember I talked to like Phil Tomasino, Luke Evangelista when they were with Milwaukee, and they told me about how that run, like Yoshi Saros, kind of called it the FU tour, like where you guys were like banding together. Like we're listen, they they're selling at the deadline, but we're we're not done. And you guys went on a great run. What was that experience like? You know, it's not the playoffs, but just that sort of resilience and adversity you guys conquered as a group. Yeah, it was a blast. Um, you know, that was some of the most fun I've had playing hockey in a very long time. So, um, you know, we were a young group. I felt like everybody was either getting injured or something was happening. So um, we were just a bunch of young kids that kind of wanted to show that we belong in the NHL. And, you know, we're playing good teams, we're playing Carolina, Vegas, all these teams that no one really gave us a chance at. And, you know, we were beating them. So, it was just a lot of fun. We all came together. Um, no one was going for individual stats or anything. It was all we wanted to win and prove something that, you know, we can make the playoffs and, you know, make a good push. And obviously we just fell a little bit short, but you know, I felt like the locker room got really close together and um, really just wanted one goal and that was make the playoffs. And when everybody just wants one goal, that's, it's a lot of fun to play. So when you have kind of this run, you got a bunch of young guys and then you've got a guy who, Everybody knows in Roman Yossi, even UC Saros, who are, I mean, they're consistently up for the major awards because they're two of the best at their respective positions. Um, I mean, I think 31 other teams would love them. Then you got a coach like John Hines, who five years ago, I mean, he coached Taylor Hall to an FU season and, and got the Devils into the playoffs. What is the difference in the message from the coaching staff when you're kind of in that I guess, FU mindset versus maybe something like Carolina where Rod Brindamore is like screaming at his guys that we have to have <laughs> playoff habits. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a change, um, especially just the younger team. I feel like Heinze kind of started to teach us a lot um, near the end of the season and, you know, you know, had a lot of patience for us young guys because, you know, we're going to make mistakes, but it's all how, what happens after, um, how hard you work back. Uh, if you're going to make the mistake again, kind of that thing. And, you know, he had a lot of patience and it, you know, worked out really well. Uh, and then obviously you have the big guns, like you said, Saros and Yost. I mean, they carried a lot of weight for our team. Um, and Saros, you know, he saved so many games for us. Uh, there was one against Carolina where I think he had like 70 saves or something like that, but 
he steals games and you know, you just want to work super hard for him. So if you can just block as many shots as possible, make his job a little bit easier, um, play in the other end for a little bit longer, you try and do your best. But, um, the greatest thing was, is that they're just like two awesome people, Yos and Sorrow. So it just makes it that much better where they don't ever get mad at you, even though they probably should. And so they're just, you know, the greatest people ever. And that just makes you want to, you know, win and do just so much more, um, because, you know, they're right in your corner no matter what happens. Before becoming a Predator, um, what did you know about Nashville? Like, it seems like a pretty unanimous, desirable place to play. I honestly knew nothing. Like, I once um, when I was with Vegas, and all I remember is getting walked by Roman Yossi. And so that was just not a good experience. Right. <laughs> it was honestly, I was like, that's the only thing I remember. Um, the crowd hey, and the rank was like pretty loud and whatnot. So um, that's all I really remembered. So when I got traded there, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I just knew like I'd go and I'd watch highlights of their Stanley Cup run and stuff like that. And, you know, it just kind of me, got me more excited um, about going there. And, you know, I didn't really expect too much, but, you know, coming here now, everybody's been so good to me from the organization wise to, you know, fans and media, everybody's been super nice. And um, that's something that I really needed, you know, just going into a different team and everybody just kind of being nice to me. That's something I really loved coming here. So you, you get to Nashville and you're kind of at like a, it's not like a crossroads in your career because I'm pretty sure you were like 22 years old, which is effectively speaking, like a child compared to most adults. <laughs> you're playing in Milwaukee, you sort of like, you find your game, you've got like this really great season. Then Nashville at the beginning of last year puts out this video. I will wholly admit that I cried. Um, They go, we're taking you to Europe. So effectively you've made the team. And that's kind of, if anybody doesn't know, that's what that meeting means. Um, And so now, you know, like I've come a long way. I've been traded all that kind of stuff. I've made the team. I'm going to be playing here. What is your mindset sort of as that meeting's approaching? Do you have an idea that that's what's coming and then you have this meeting or did you really not have an idea? And this was something where you're in there with David Poyle and Heinze and it's like, Oh wow. Like I've finally kind of done it. Yeah. I was, you know, like you said, just going back to Milwaukee you know, I didn't want to be there and I was, you know, I was grumpy. Like, I want to be in the NHL. I wanted to work hard and be there, but I felt like it was, they knew exactly what they were doing. They wanted me to play a lot of minutes, play a lot of on the power play, um, just kind of get me back up and running. And I failed to realize that kind of at the beginning of the season. So I started off a bit slow, but, um, you know, near the end, I just kind of figured it out. And I was like, you know, I need this. I need to get all these minutes because I go through a knee surgery and, I don't play a lot. So just using that kind of time to kind of get myself back to where I was um, really helped in the long run, I felt. And like I said, I just failed to realize it at the time, but it was good for me. And then, you know, I got that little stint at the end of the season with Nashville and I felt like I was playing pretty well. Um, and then into the summer, I just knew I, I wanted to make the team. Like it was, I felt like it was kind of a make or break for me. So that summer was really huge. And, you know, I worked as hard as I possibly could and I did everything I could, um, really. So, uh, going into that training camp, I felt ready and I felt like I can make that big step in making the team and kind of, you know, pushing for more opportunity. And 
just going in, I knew there's going to be cameras around. Um, they told me at the beginning of camp, you know, they're probably going to be following you around. I was all great, a little bit more added pressure. So, um, that's going to be great for me. Yeah. And so, you know, it was, it was good. Um, the whole training camp, you know, I was working hard. Uh, I felt like I was doing really well. Um, you know, I was playing good, working hard and everything they kind of wanted, I was trying to do. And so when it came to that like final moment after that final preseason game where they picked the team to go to Europe, um, no, I thought I was playing well, but you know, Brandon Walker, he works for our team. He kind of comes into like the change room and is like, Hey, Gloucester, like David and them want to see you in his office. And every single interview or every time Ooh. I've went in there, I've been sent down. So I'm just like, dude, not so again. Bad. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. just like so rattled. I'm like, I thought I was playing so good. Like I was, you know, I worked so hard and I was getting like, obviously every bad thought is going through my head. So yeah. I started, you know, I walked in, I was just like, Oh boy, like, I don't know what's going on. And then obviously the cameras start following Camera me and there. I'm like, I'm like, not great. Everybody's going to watch me get cut on national television and this is going to suck. So I go in there and Heinze and Poiler in there and, you know, the cameras get set up and, you know, they start saying these nice things and I'm just like, okay, like they're buttering me up, like to get me, like get me out of here. And, you know, they, they ended up saying, you know, I made the team and it was one of those moments where I was just like, every emotion kind of came through, you know, I worked so hard and to like get rewarded. I can really hold my emotions back. And so I kind of just, I was crying. So I let it out and, you know, it was a great moment. Um, something that like, I'll never forget because it's everywhere. I can it's on, see it it's everywhere. It's on YouTube. Everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, it was a special moment, not only for me, but my family as well. So I knew they were just the biggest, they helped me throughout the summer as well. Like they were a huge part of it. So, um, to see, kind of that background of training camp and whatnot for them to see it kind of leading up to those final moments um, was awesome. And so, like I said, it was the beginning of the year from last year, I didn't think I'd be where I am today. So to kind of go through those moments, it was awesome. You know, it's, it's funny because you mentioned how when you were in Milwaukee um, two seasons ago, at the beginning, it was hard kind of getting that. And there's obviously, you know, happiness when you're going down the AHL, did the pressure of, of you know, being a top, five pick ever get to you like was there ever moments where you felt insecure or doubting yourself or maybe just kind of whether you're reading things or not kind of feeling added pressure with it that title i think yeah 100 percent um i felt like that was something you know when i was with vegas that went through my mind constantly um just that you know i wanted to prove that i was the right pick and you know i wanted to come in and you know produce do everything that i was capable of doing when i got drafted and, you know, I was big into, you know, reading Twitter and going through social media and that stuff. And, you know, I'd get trashed on, I'd get people saying I'm good. And it's, you know, I just gotten so in my head that, you know, it just kind of like broke me down a little bit. And, you know, when I got traded, it was pretty devastating. You know, I wish I could have made in Vegas and, you know, my career could have been totally different and did everything right. Um, but, you know, everybody's career path's different. And so, you know, I kind of went through those moments and I'm just learning from them. Um, you know, that's kind of the hard part is the mental side. You know, you can do everything physically and um, you can work as hard as you can on the ice, off the ice. But I feel like that extra thing is the mental side of it because that's kind of where a lot of people, you know, go down. And so I kind of focused on that the past couple of years and, you know, it's really helped me a lot. 
Okay, so we're going to go back to when you got drafted in that first preseason. There was kind of this like story percolating that obviously you're a Western Canadian guy and the Vancouver Canucks had interviewed you umpteen amount of times um, and they were interested in you. That was like all over the place and everyone's like, Cody Glass is going to be a Canuck. Then Cody Glass scores twice when Vegas plays Vancouver. How are you sort of, because like you said, you were kind of glued to like mock drank, like draft rankings, Twitter, all that. So I'm assuming you were aware of that. How does that <laughs> yeah. kind of feel as a player? We have, there's like a Twitter account. It's like NHL revenge. How does it feel as a player to go, okay, like that team either passed on me or they traded me. So when you play Vegas again and you score in the moment, how does that feel? Is there like a kind of an extra added umph? to being able to score against a team that you thought maybe either passed on you or in Vegas's case had you and then traded you away. Like what's the psyche there? Uh, yeah, it was, that didn't really like run through my mind really. Um, especially I knew kind of obviously the players that got drafted before me. Um, I knew all about them just cause I'm kind of like a hockey nerd and yeah. whatnot. So um, I think, yeah, Vancouver picked Pedersen and he's unbelievable. He's such a good player. So, um no just going in it's preseason um I kind of at that time I knew I was going to go back to junior uh I didn't know when but I just knew it so I was oh, kind of yeah. playing freely didn't really you know care if I made a mistake wasn't really gripping my stick and so I thought I played pretty good I made two uh nice passes and whatnot uh but yeah like playing Vancouver you know I've grown up watching them um and you know it would have been a blast to play for them and whatnot but um yeah, no, it's it's good. Like you said, I've read stuff on Twitter and whatnot, but um, at the that time, was one of the most wild yeah. draft stories. I was like, Jesus, it's like I know, yeah. Like looking back on it, like yeah, it's funny, but um, you know, now I'm just kind of past that. Where you know, I don't look at stuff anymore, but that's no, good. You no, know, Vancouver is passionate fans, and I respect that. And you know, Elias Patterson is unbelievable. No, I'm a big fan of his game, so that's um, no, good. It's all love. It's it's the game. It's part of it. Yeah, I, I like remember. it, but you're going to score against Vegas, right? Uh, I actually did. I scored against them. I got an OT winner against them this year, and that felt pretty good. So my so buddy Nick Heggie. Yeah, so that, that's a different story, I think. Um, <laughs> my buddy Nick Hegg scored an overtime winner against us this year in Vegas. And so he kind of had bragging rights on me. And then the last game of the year when we played Vegas, I scored the overtime winner and no, a little bit lucky i tried passing back door goes up a guy's foot and then but you know it's kind of the hockey gods i felt like kind of rewarding me a little bit and being nice to me so that was a blast and uh yeah i gave a little bit of bragging rights back so there's you know, no videos on the score sheet <laughs> it's exactly fine. they don't you ask how, the how many <laughs> you know you mentioned about the mental aspect and I find it interesting because I remember when I interviewed you for a different story, you talked about how your first year in the NHL, you were kind of shy, kind of like timid and like not wanting to like bother people or kind of like walking on eggshells. What was the moment, like what were those moments like, sorry, um, where you were feeling that and, you know, I'm sure there's an adjustment when you went to Portland. I'm sure, you know, turning pro, there's always that adjustment, but it's not like you're playing midget or dub or like a year up. You're going to the NHL and you're kind of, you know, young and bra. What does that feel like and how did you kind of deal with it? Yeah, I think it's a little bit harder. Um, I think just leading towards other players kind of helped me a lot. Uh, I think I told you before, like Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, yeah. these guys were just like, I was huge fans of them, but they're just great people and kind of 
helped me throughout the way. Um, but I felt like I said, like I said before, I was in my head so much that it kind of yeah. like, I would take their advice and kind of almost forget about it. Um, but now looking back on the advice that they told me, like, I really, you know, I'm taking advantage of it now. I wish I could have taken advantage of it earlier. Um, but you know, just talking to those guys kind of helped because in junior, you're the guy you're scoring, you're doing everything pretty much. You have a puck on your stick at all times. And then going to the NHL, it's kind of just a wake up call. And, you know, some guys do do it. They walk right into the NHL and, you know, they're really good right off the start, but other times, you know, it takes a little bit of time for guys to get used to. It. And I felt like that's kind of where I was. I was a little bit shy, timid, like you said. And, um, I think I just needed to, you know, play with that confidence that I had and kind of had that, like you guys been saying, kind of F you attitude. Um, and, not really cared if I made a mistake, but that was the biggest thing was I was always scared of making a mistake. And, you know, I'd make a mistake and be all like after the game, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to get set down. Like that was my first kind of reaction to everything. And it was a terrible reaction to have, but, um, you know, it's something I just always did. I don't know. It was terrible. Um, but like I said, I've kind of been working on my mental stuff where, um, now that's the last thing that ever pops in my head. So, um, which is good. But like I said, if I could have done that earlier, I wonder what have, happen then yeah so you you talk about guys like patrick stone who's somebody that i mean obviously people talk patrick has a king clancy mark stone is freaking mark stone who is somebody <laughs> in the nhl that like you think doesn't get enough credit for who they are as a person as opposed to kind of the hockey players so, like behind the scenes like they're the ones helping young guys or organizing team dinners or i don't know if a guy like you said if a young guy's struggling they're the guy that is able to sort of help them out yeah, that's, I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I haven't met a bad person in the NHL, which is awesome. Um, every single teammate that I've had has been, you know, super good to me. I've never had a problem with anyone and it's been awesome. So um, if I had to circle in a couple of guys that kind of had an impact on me, I'd say, you know, Matt Spacheretti, um, Paul Stastny, uh, Mark Stone. Um, and then with Nashville, you know, Roman Yossi, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, uh, Mark Borowiecki, um, like the list goes on. Like I can talk about all these guys just cause you know, the hockey community is really tight and, you know, just coming through it. I feel like those guys have really helped me not only just on the ice with skills and stuff like that, but off the ice, I feel like they've kind of always been there, you know, texting and checking if I'm okay, that kind of stuff. Cause that means a lot for a young guy coming into the league. You know, you mentioned too, with, the people on your team and stuff, but, you know, obviously you have a close relationship with your father um, and your brother as well. Like what were the, the conversations like with them at the time? Like it was a kind of, you know, obviously you're always talking about things in life and was it, were those two people that you really leaned on in those times as well? I think so. Um, you know, me and my brother and my dad really tight. Um, you know, we've been through a lot of adversity kind of growing up. So, you know, we have that bond and um, you know, it's, it's been great. They're so easy to talk to. Um, and they both didn't play like professional hockey or junior hockey. So it's nice to get kind of that fresh, um, you know, idea of what they're thinking and kind of, you know, reset from hockey just cause you know, they don't really know what it is to t or what, what to takes, what it takes to get to the NHL. Sorry. And so just talking to them, it's just like a nice refresh um, yeah. cause they know how hard I've worked and, um, they kind of just see the background of, you know, growing up and whatnot. So they just know the right things to say at the right time, which helps a lot. I remember being, so I got hired in New Jersey the year after your draft year. Like I was 
just Nico's rookie season effectively. And yeah. I remember asking, cause I was always really intrigued by that draft. I had been obviously familiar with your story. A couple others that obviously Kale McCarr was kind of that guy is like out of Alberta, what's going to happen. And obviously he's, he's okay. pretty good. Um, <laughs> but I remember your story vividly and the relationship you had with your brother and father. And of course, in these interviews, everyone's talking about trying to glean character. We're trying to glean this. We're trying to glean that. And you were one of two guys that got mentioned as like, when we're interviewing Cody, we're not actually trying to get a read on his character because we already know that it's really good. And so they were, <laughs> they were interviewing you and it's like, what's your favorite animal? Or, you know, the innocuous. Questions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you yeah. were always that one guy where everyone, they would come up and be like best character in the draft. And I was like, okay, this seems like somebody we should all be cheering for. What was your sort of combine experience like? Cause we, I mean, we asked Morgan Klimchuk, what his combine experience is like. And then you see some of the most ridiculous questions being asked now. What was yours like? Did you have any sort of like crazy questions? Uh, yeah, it was good. Obviously it's very intimidating. You're going in there tables that I was sitting at, you know, they had like Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman, um, all these hockey, <laughs> like famous hockey people that I'm just like very intimidated by. So, and they're asking pretty personal questions sometimes. And, um, you know, I just tried giving my best honest answer. I didn't want to try and be a robot and all the, just give the same answer to every single person. So I just tried being authentic, give, you know, a different answer for everyone and, uh, just try and be honest. That's kind of how, you know, I was raised and kind of what my dad and brother told me to do going through this whole process. So I met with like 26 or seven teams, I want to say. Um, and I think there was a couple in there that, you know, kind of stuck out with me. Uh, I remember, I think it was Calgary asked me for like my best joke. And I just panicked. I was like, I, that's the last thing on my mind right now. I don't know any jokes. Like every single joke has went through my mind and I couldn't think of anything. Um, so I just kind of sat there and was really embarrassed. Um, awesome. and then, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of, you know, different unique ones. I think the very first one I went through was with, uh, LA and they had, I think, like 20 people in the room staring at me. And I was just, Jesus. like, sitting there in this chair. Yeah, I just felt like I was getting interrogated. And it was – I'm glad that was the first one because that kind of set the tone for every single one that I was going to go through. I was like, if I can get through this one, I'll be fine. And so they actually asked pretty, like, awesome questions. They were very nice to me. So, um, no, I didn't really have a bad experience in any of them. Obviously, some try and be hard on you to get a reaction out of you and – I don't know. I've kind of heard all the worst stuff in the world. So I just kind of accepted if I was ever getting chirped about my skating or um, how big I was and yada, yada. I just, I'd be like, I agree, but you know, that's stuff that I'd obviously work on and um, just try my best to do better at. So um, it was cool. Obviously fitness testing and that stuff sucks. Um, especially at the time I was like 180 pounds. So I wasn't very good at all of it, but um, it was a blast. How many pull-ups? How many pull-ups? I don't, want to lie more than I think I had like six six or seven maybe that's pretty solid that's pretty good I can't recall but did you someone could probably look it up you I, did, I one. did one yeah I did one yeah you're better than quite a lot of top 10 picks in recent years <laughs> um so I'm curious during the draft like I'm watching at home and I'm like okay can they make the clock less than 10 minutes this is excruciating like I already <laughs> like this. oh my god it's so I'm like <laughs> 
like I, like I get that like someone's nephew's holding the jersey and we can watch him walk up. Like, let's get this going. When each pick is coming down, when you were like on the you know in the stands of the draft, are you like freaking out? Or are you like, all right, that makes sense? Or like, oh, whoa, that's surprising. Like, what were your nerves like? Were you talking to people? Were you mic'd up? Like, what was it like? Yeah. So my draft, I don't know if you guys remember, it was the first one where they put us behind the stage in Chicago. The worst idea imaginable. It was cool, but I, yeah, I wanted to walk down the stairs, all that stuff. So going through that whole process was, it was kind of cool, but at the same time, it was almost like there was cameras everywhere. And so when I was up and I think it was a sixth over like sixth pick, um, it said the pick is in and it kind of almost ruined the surprise because the camera started like circling like my table. And so I was like, so everybody, like I saw like a camera and I was like, okay, like I'm pretty sure I'm getting picked right now, but I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know. Just get my reaction or something like that. You're like, who's behind me. You're like, wait, who? Yeah, exactly. I was like, I was looking, like I was trying not to look to make it like (laughs) obvious, but my girlfriend now fiance was just like, yeah, like there's cameras like, behind you yeah yeah I was okay and so yeah it kind of almost i don't know it didn't ruin the surprise because maybe it was just for cameras or whatever but i was surprised i got drafted then you go you pick the hat off the wall um walk up on the stage shake gary Bevan's hand get them whatnot so that stuff was still cool um but yeah no it was it was it was a blast but like i said if it could have been the original way i think they started doing it the regular way the next year so um but it was a good time, you know, getting drafted. I'll never complain about that. You mentioned about the cameras there, and I was actually going to ask this before, but that scene where you thought you were going to get cut, but you actually made the team, there was cameras there. Like, is there, like, what is it like when there's, because I used to love watching, I don't know if you ever watched this, HBO 24-7, Winter Classic, or, like, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. And I used to, like, We need more of that. that. We need more yeah. of that. And I'm just wondering from the player's vantage point, like, is it feeling weird where you're like, you're talking to guys and it's like, you got Rick, the sound guy, you got Janet with the boom. You've got like a huge camera in your face. You're just kind of like, what are we doing here? Like, this is yeah. getting used to like, what's your relationship with that? Uh, a little bit. Um, I kind of tried not focusing on it, but you know, you see those same people every single day. So right. um, they did a really good job of almost hiding it. I would say. Um, so, you know, they kind of sneak around and plant cameras somewhere, yada, yada. So, um, they did a good job, really helped me. Um, cause you know, I'm kind of shy almost when it comes to that stuff. Um, yeah. just cause I don't really know what to say unless I'm being asked questions. So, um, it was, it was good. It was good though. It was a blast. Um, and like I said, I think I loved it just cause, you know, it gives an insight that people don't really see. I'm a big fan of like hard knocks. Um, so they follow like the football training camp, stuff yeah. like that. So I'm a big fan of that, but it finally gives you like insight on what people kind of go through. Um, what training camps like and you know what we just kind of go through at like a daily basis through training camp all right let's go to we want to do a little bit of rapid fire we're going to ask you a couple questions before we let you go um all right so we want to know in short rapid fire the funniest teammate you've ever played with on each team so we'll start with the portland winter hawks portland winter hawks it's a great question i'd probably say jake gracious he's my roommate at one point and yeah he'd be it chicago wolves uh, oh, that's a good one too. I'd say probably Dylan Coglin. Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights. Let's go either John Merrill or Cody Eakin. 
Henderson Silver Knights. Henderson, Dylan Secura. Milwaukee Admirals. Oh, it's a tough one because I see everybody, so they might get mad at me if I don't say them. Um, <laughs> uh, my close buddy, I'll say, I'll say Tommy Novak's my close buddy. Um, now, National Predators. Who's the, who's the jokester? Who's the jester? Who's the guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone who was funny to me, obviously, he's, he's gone now. Ryan Johansson, he was the funniest person I think I've ever met. Um, you got a dry delivery, hey? Yeah, it's so funny. I just I've everything, heard like, this you from have those so many people in your life. Yeah, you yeah. have that certain person in your life where, like, he could say, like, not nothing funny. You could be serious. I would just laugh. Like, he just has that kind of, like, <laughs> right. tone to his voice. So I'd say him. And then um, another sneaky is probably Staros. Staros is another sneaky, funny guy. Um, those fins are pretty hilarious. I told him I was one of my good friends, too, and he was pretty uh, sneaky, funny, too. That's fair enough. Do you have any like memorable stories of team pranks or anything that they did that kind of made you laugh or made the boys just go insane? I mean, we've had people tell us that like their clothes randomly went missing one day, <laughs> which is not ideal. <laughs> I think like Tommy, like Novak, he's just like a funny like person. Like what he does, like is pretty funny. So like sometimes I'll walk into like our dry stall like area and we have like benches so you can like sit down and like get changed obviously and i remember just like coming in a couple of times and he'd be like sitting on the floor like getting and it's just like the most like weird thing to see is someone just like <laughs> spread out on the floor like like all of his stuff everywhere it's like getting dressed so that's like a pretty funny thing that i always see um funny like stories i don't really have you must have had many. jr you must have like had something ridiculous <laughs> I'm trying to think of because Flurry would pull pranks 24 oh. 7. And so, oh, okay. So we do like this. Uh, we'd always do in Vegas, they do like a team bonding trip to like Montana. Right. Yeah. 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 And okay. so they put all of the rookies in. So I think it's me, Colsar, Nick Hag, and Dylan Coggin. We we're all in the same like room. Um, it was like a tiny house. It was nice. Um, but so we knew something was going to happen to us because we're all rookies in the same room. Like something was going to happen, but everything was like a team event. So like everybody was always there, like poker tournament, golfing, like all this stuff. And so we get back um, at night and we, we like try and turn the lights on and the lights aren't working. So we don't know like what's going on. So we go like the switch box. We go, we like, Oh no, like whatever. And it turns on and all of our mattresses are just piled up in like the middle of the like living room. And I don't know how they did it. Or I think I still don't know if it was flower or not, but all of them were in like the middle and we're all like, are you kidding me? It's like one in the morning. I'm going to have to like, it's like a king size mattress too. And I'm gonna have to drag this into my room. And so like I go, I like, we all get our like beds, like back to normal. And we're like, they're going to mess with us like tonight. Like we need to like barricade the doors. <laughs> so we all like go up to like the main door, like every door and we go and we like put stuff against it, the couch, chairs, everything. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's still not good. Like I need to like barricade my own door. Like I'm so terrified that someone's coming in and doing something to my room. So I'm just putting every like drawer in front of my door and I'm like, okay, like that's perfect. Like, <laughs> 
nothing ended up happening but i was just like there's zero chance i'm taking chances pretty sure flower was the one that did this on hbo 24 7 i'm pretty sure flower did that to kunis and cross or crosby i think didn't he dory yeah uh yeah it was it was crosby so as soon as you said mattresses i'm like it was flower it was 100 yeah, that before <laughs> um yeah i see him doing all this stuff all the time and then does he gaslight you the next day does he just like what like does he does i'll he just play? like <laughs> I'll just like bring it up and I'll just be like, like, dude, like there's mattresses, like they're all like not in our rooms or whatever. And I'll just be like, wow, that sucks. I wonder like who did that. <laughs> right. And I just be like, yeah, like I have no idea. Like it sucks. Right. And he would just like, he would just like walk away. Yeah. <laughs> if I could never get him back, I would never get him back because I knew it was just going to come back like 10 times worse. Yeah, so I was like, there's zero chance. That's that's one guy you just soak the prank and you don't even bother. <laughs> or your car. Yeah, it's almost. Up, I think it was like last year he filled somebody's yeah. car with like those packing popcorn. Oh things. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's it's an honor too to like get yeah. it from Flower. You know, he's a legend, so I'm just like, you know, I got pranked. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Where are your favorite hangout spots in Nashville, and what's the deal with Tootsie's? Like Bill Garing gave the whole like thanks for hydrate. Is that like is that the place to be? I that's like one of. the... F- I think the famous bar on Broadway, I want to oh, say. Okay, cool. Um, so I think that's like the most famous spot. Um, Where do you But for me, I don't like my house probably. <laughs> like Full it body. is so hot and humid here, yeah. like in the summers. So I have to like, if I'm golfing, I have to bring like three extra shirts. And like, <laughs> it is just like so gross. Like Winnipeg how much you actually heart. sweat. Oh, and so... I prefer to stay inside, but if I'm doing anything, like I'd say like just kind of experiencing everything, um, you know, just walking Broadway. I don't really go out down there just cause it's super humid and sweaty and there's so many people out there. Um, but there's good dinner restaurants, like 1230 clubs, really good. Um, 60 vines. Um, I'm a big like food guy. I love going out to new restaurants and trying that stuff out. Um, but they have some nice concert areas. Um, they have the Ryman, Obviously, you can go to Bridgestone, Grand Ole Opry. So I'm just trying to experience everything. Um, I don't want to just keep going back to the same spot, but I would. But my fiance kind of pushes me towards going to other places and not being boring. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of that's it. I'm a big golfer too, so just anywhere I can golf. If you uh, if you're a foodie, when you are in town to play the Leafs, I will make sure you get a list of of a couple restaurants because I'm a foodie too, and I I've lived downtown for a while. So yeah. I've tried everything from like the hole in the wall that looks like it's going to collapse to <laughs> the really nice stuff. So yeah, if you're a foodie, you just let me know what you're in the in the mood for. I I probably got a spot for you. But okay, so the Hooters I on John's like... really good. The Hooters on John's amazing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I live across from it. It's elite. We do not need another scandal. The hockey has yeah. enough. Okay, so I always love asking NHL players this because it's totally different than an NHL fan. If no. I told you I've got a time machine and you can play with any hockey player any, at any time and I just basically get to bring them and their Cody Glasses teammate, who would you yeah. pick? Uh, that's a great question. So for me, I think I would have to go Wayne Gretzky. I think it's super obvious um, just because he's a great one. Um, no really yeah, explanation behind it. Um, I'd say him. And then I'll have someone like 
that like, isn't Ty Wayne Gretzky on my team. Yeah, Ty Domi, like Chris Pronger, just these like hard nosed players that were super hard to play against, and just like the shenanigans they would always you know put on. Um, I think that would be a blast to see, and obviously for some protection uh, purposes. Because if I'm playing with the great one, like I, I just have to go back door pretty much at all times, and then have those two guys protect us. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, probably say them, and then you know Patrick Waugh and Net, just because character wise, great goalie, but. No, he was a character off the ice, I felt. Um, but yeah, I'd say those are probably the main guys I would love to play with during a time period. I feel like having Chris Pronger on your team as opposed to playing with Wayne Gretzky against Chris Pronger is definitely the better <laughs> choice to make because you might end up with like yeah. a broken ankle or something. Exactly. I've never something. seen somebody slash people so often away from the play. It's wild. Oh, the things they used to get away with, like looking at like highlights, like back then, it's like the craziest, it was oh, street rules. Like it was like the hookings and whatnot, like just getting tackled, mauled from behind. Like it's crazy how like times have changed. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know even imagine. nowadays, like we see obviously McDavid gets the brunt of attention pretty much during and during the playoffs. It's kind of anarchy is the word I would use. Yeah. Bloodbath. Yeah. It's a complete bloodbath. And I feel like, that was the regular season before that big oh, lockout yeah. in 2004. It was just total yeah. nonsense all the time. Yeah, and they were like hacking butts like, in intermission yeah. too. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. wild. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the normal thing to do. You know, hot dog for pregame meal. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it's crazy. Like, you see some of the stuff that's going on in the playoffs, like kind of the after whistle stuff and, you know, like Petrangelo slashing Dreisaitl and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, that was like free game back in the day like yeah, that happened crazy. all the time like it was crazy it was normal and like that's you see that once now and it's like a massive deal but back in the day that was just kind of the norm i gotta ask you uh one more question and i just remembered it so we're done with the rapid fire one final thing we'll let you go cody you've been so gracious um yeah. i heard you were in winnipeg obviously when vegas played the Jets, <laughs> and colasar did the legendary you know screaming at one of his buddies um in yeah. the crowd and i i were you not with colasar after out at uh, out at local and like he just he wore it like he just went out to a local yeah. establishment after like take me he, he seems oh. like the nhl's next great sort of antagonist in some ways like that yeah. I, I heard he just went out no shame went to local which for those that listening don't know that's like a pretty popular bar near the uh, can life center yeah so we I remember watching the game. I was watching with uh, my dad and everything. And um, at the time, I think like everybody else thought Keegs was yelling at the guy on the glass. Yeah. And so I was like, that's hilarious. First of all, yeah. And so um, I went, it was him, Nick Hag and Riley Smith were all having dinner at like Earl's. And so I wanted to see them obviously, because you know, they're good friends of mine and, every chance I can get, I would love to see them. So, um, I went and joined them for dinner. Um, and the first thing I said, I was like, Keegs, cause I think Keegs that game hit Lowry, Lowry. and then yep. got in a fight yes. and then <laughs> scored. And so like, I'm just like, what are you doing out? Like, aren't you public enemy? Number one, like check your, like I'll eat your food first and then you can like have some, like, um, just to make sure. But, uh, yeah, he's, he loves that stuff. Uh, which is hilarious just because if you know his personality like he's it's just so funny that he would do that um and then yeah so we you know we had dinner and then yeah he just kind of faced it and told me that adam jones the guy sitting 
yeah, to yeah. Rosab as one of his buddies. Um, I was like, no way. Like I had no idea. And then you go look at the picture and then you see the Jonesy's he's laughing at him. And I'm like, this is, yeah, it's all time just to, <laughs> that they're close friends and, you know, and going through that kind of thing. But it was cool. It was a, it was a funny thing to kind of experience. And yeah, it was all time. He's such a good guy. So it was, it was a blast kind of seeing that. Amazing. I love it. That's so funny. You just think he's absolutely (laughs) losing his mind for no reason. His best friend's like two rows up. (laughs) Guy just looks like a complete lunatic. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, screaming face to face with a fan. That's pretty hilarious (laughs) to me. Yeah, I was, I actually, during that, I was in the basement of the Cadillac Center. I was, this is so weird. I was interviewing Keith Kachuk for a white up piece and I was on the phone and I just looked at the TV and I just see Keegan Colasar (laughs) screaming at a man and I was like, <laughs> what is going on right now? Um, but we, yeah. you know, I mean, Cody, we could talk to you for five hours. We almost did. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us. Um, you know, this is amazing. We love to hear your perspective, things are about you away from the rink, and all the best this season, man. We'll be we'll be rooting for you. Thank you, guys. It was a blast. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Cody.